welcome to Resilience Living Podcast. I am your host, Terilyn Minifield. So happy to have you here for another interesting episode. Today, we'll be talking about divorce. You know, it's so amazing in this pandemic how many people are making the decision that they no longer need to be married. And even before that, people were making that decision. We're going to talk about the details of all of what that means. Divorce. I don't think people really get married to get a divorce. Um, and so we're going to unpack some of those details today. My guest is very special to me. Known her for over 30 years. Whew. It's a long time. But as we know, you know, the time it just continues to fly by. She's a very accomplished woman, um, definitely my sister, and so grateful to have her as a part of our village. Her name is Felicia Mathis, and I'm going to allow her to introduce herself right now. Welcome, Felicia. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And I call her Miss Terrellin or Miss <laughs> T, so I'm probably going to go a little <laughs> very casual on that. But yes, so super excited to be here with you today. Awesome. We're happy to have you. Um, so this is a new season in your life. And one of the reasons why I chose for you to come and talk to this subject is because of I know who you are. Mm -hmm. I've known who you are from when you were a young person, um, when you got married, and even as you make this transition in your life with this um, new divorce. Mm -hmm. So I'd love for you to introduce yourself to those that are listening. Tell us. Tell us all about you. Yeah, absolutely. So as Terrilyn mentioned, um, sister friend, we've known each other for over 30 years. Uh, not only am I a sister, I'm a mother to three kiddos. I have three teenagers, a 14-year-old, 16, and 18. So I'm in the thick of it from a, <laughs> from a home standpoint. Um, from a career standpoint, I went to ASU, so I'm, I'm kind of local here. I spent a little time in Las Vegas. Uh, pursued a couple of extra degrees, you know, masters after that, and worked on my PhD in psychology for a bit. Um, and my profession for the past uh, almost 20 years now has been in the human resources field. So uh, everything dealing with people and strategy has been uh, my makeup. And I mentioned, you know, I have lots of roles. I'm, I'm a daughter. I have an amazing family. I'm a sister. I have uh, four terrific brothers. Um, and I'm auntie to several and, you know, cousin and the list goes on and on. So that's just a little bit about me in a nutshell. Yeah, that, that was quite a nutshell. So let's <laughs> pack just a couple of things. Just talking about your family. Um, you said you had a four brothers. So you don't have any biological sisters or do you? So I it's, that's a great question. So um, I have four brothers and we're we were a blended family, but we never we never called ourselves a blended family. We were just family. And I think that's just how we've operated uh, on my mother's side. My father has um, one, two, three, I think four daughters. So they would be my my stepsisters. OK, um, but we never had that relationship or that closeness. I've always been much closer to my mother and, and that side of the family. Got it. Very good. And so your love story. Tell me about your love story. Yeah, no. So that that started probably, I'd say, 20 years ago. Um, I met my uh, ex-husband in church. So it's it's probably one of those things where this is where you you think you're supposed to meet someone. Mm -hmm. uh, and we were we were friends. We had a long distance relationship for a couple of years. I lived in I lived in Las Vegas and he lived in Arizona. 
Um, and our friendship continued to grow. And I, I'll never forget, I think we were having breakfast one time at the Cracker Barrel. And he said, you know, hey, let's let's stop just being friends. Let's, you know, take our relationship to the next level. And I was like, sure. And within a year, I think uh, we were we were planning a wedding. Awesome. Uh, so it, it went very quickly. And my career has always been something that was important to me. So uh, we had this conversation uh, shortly after we got married. Um, I got pregnant. And so I still lived in Las Vegas and he still lived in Arizona. And I thought it was just like the perfect setup. <laughs> and uh, he came to me one day and says, uh, I'm not sure where you're going to live, but me and your daughter are going to be here in Arizona. Got it. And I was like, oh, okay, this is a decision point. And I remember uh, begrudgingly, it was it was painful, uh, resigning my position. I worked for the city in Las Vegas. So it was like an appointed position. It was a really big deal for me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have a job here. I just, I came because I thought that is what you're supposed to do. You know, if your, your husband says, this is where we're going to be, I said I would be where he was going to be. So we, we packed up my little apartment and put it in a U-Haul. And on our way to Arizona, we started our family. Again, I was pregnant with my oldest daughter at the time. Um, wow. Yeah. So that That's was the good. beginning of our story. It was the beginning. And so as you continued, because you said you have three teenagers, mm -hmm. so you continue to add little people to your life, your married life. How did that change your married life as far as you start out with the love story? Your husband was kind of saying, you know what? We're going to be together. This is what we're going to do. And he kind of led that mm -hmm. as far as that goes. So you added little people. How was that adding your little people in your marriage? Yeah. You know, it's crazy because I think even after... Um, after we moved, after we started the family, you know, we did, I think everything that you think you're supposed to do. And I kind of keep saying that because mm -hmm. you have this, this idea in your mind of this is what is supposed to happen next. And you just follow this almost blueprint that you didn't actually script out. It's someone else scripted it for you. So mm -hmm. we bought a house and, uh, in the beginning it, it was not easy. I remember saying that this is, I didn't sign up for this. Like, what, <laughs> what is this? What is, what's going on? And it was such a, um, a struggle of personality and and power and um, just dynamic. And it was so many different things. And then we'd come back together and it was like, but we were friends. And so right. that kind of kept us grounded and glued together. And, and our family continued to expand. My, um, my son uh, was super planned. Like we knew we wanted to. Mm -hmm. So we had my daughter and then we're really working on my son. He came, I think, 16 months after my daughter was born. Wow. So they were super close in age. And in my mind, we were done. We were like, all right, boy, girl, this is it. You know, let's move on to the next, you know, box to check in this little thing called life. And a couple of years later, I was like, oh, guess what? Uh, and I was pregnant with my my third. I was middle of my career. I actually remember, I actually remember not telling anyone because I was personally in denial. I was wow. like, I'm not pregnant. Okay. Um, I think we, I was sitting on my mother's couch. We were having a family dinner and she said, is there something you need to tell us? <laughs> because by that time I was actually, I was showing, I was pregnant. <laughs> and I was like, no, no. And wow. she was like, I think, I think there is. And, and the, along came Casey. And it was really funny because in the beginning, um, you know, Soraya would say, I'm mommy's firstborn. Mm -hmm. Christian would say, I'm mommy's only son. And then Casey would say, and I'm mommy's surprise. <laughs> because we would always say she was our surprise right. baby. So that our and again, it was it was such a blessing. We didn't even realize um 
how much of a blessing they were right. at the time and they continue to be. Absolutely. You yeah. do. You have really great kids. They're awesome. They're, yeah, they really, really awesome. are. So let's kind of unpack a couple of things just yeah. with what you said already. So you are um, an ASU grad. Mm-hmm. You uh, mentioned kind of in passing that you had a couple of degrees and you definitely have quite a few degrees. So yeah. you're very accomplished. You have a couple of master's degrees. I do. And going for your PhD yes. to finish that up. Mm-hmm. So there's a discipline in, in what you go for. Um, there's a discipline in your personality. You'd agree with that, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when you put your mind to something, you really get it done. Yes. In your career, I know we've had other conversations where you've actually even helped me in my career, mm-hmm. just as far as when you say, this is the job that I want, not only do you go after it, you make sure everyone is on board, meaning those that are going to hire you, mm-hmm. they're on board in order to, for you to be paid what you deserve. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So by nature, your personality is you go after something, you see something, you go after it and you accomplish it. I have never really known you not to go after something and not accomplish it. Right. Right. No, that's very true. So in your love story, what's different as far as your personality and where we are today? You know, I think that's a, it's a really good question. And I don't know if I would say anything is different. I mean, if you think about it, um, hitting rough patches in a marriage, sometimes people will bail out six months, a year, two years. Uh, I'll actually, I actually remember someone telling me, don't even judge your marriage after the first seven years. Wow. So I had that target in my head. I'm like, I'm going to deal with anything. And you know, it's within that first seven years. And somehow I thought it was just all going to magically change. And we were going to morph into this amazing collaborative, you know, very, um, in sync couple Mm -hmm. and the eighth year hit. And I was like, where's that at? Uh, and it was still, it was still work. It was still hard in a lot of places. Um, there was a lot of, uh, unmet needs, but to your point, um, everything in me said, no, you know what? You're going to, you're going to dig your heels in. You're going to pray through this. You're going to get people around you. That'll support you. You're going to, you're going to go after this, um, with, with everything. Mm -hmm. And I think for probably a good, mm, I'd say, 12 or 13 years, that was the, the motto. Like, we, it's gonna, we're gonna work this out. This is gonna, you know, have a happy ending. It's gonna be a testimony. It's gonna be that, you know, s- story, that love story that right. you, you deserve, you think you deserve, you want, you're yearning for. Um, I'd say probably about that 13th year. And there was a lot going on. We, uh, I took a position in Flagstaff, okay, Arizona, mm-hmm. and it was almost like a. Uh, I knew I needed to take the job, and I knew uh, the family needed to move. And there was a period where I didn't know if he was coming. In fact, he didn't come initially. Okay. Um, it was Father's Day. I had a, a property here, and I had secured a rental there. Okay, the lease was up. It had a few weeks on it, and he stayed behind. And I I didn't know if he was going to ever come to Flagstaff, but I kind of said, hey, this is where we're going to be. You know where to find us. Uh, And I'll never forget. I went one way on the 17 freeway and he went another way that day. And it was uh, it was a turning point for me, I think. Uh, When I went to Flagstaff, it was um, 
it was challenging because I was away from my family Mm -hmm. and I still had the kids responsibility and I started to realize how much more I needed. So then when, when he did finally join me, I think my expectations or my ask was a lot different than what it had been in the past 13 years. Uh, And that really started to pressurize our relationship. I think it was uh, maybe not as fair for him because it wasn't an ask for the previous 13 years. Right. But it was something for me to say, hey, listen, if if we're going to spend the rest of our lives together, I think uh, there's some things that we need to agree on. Got it. Probably a conversation should have had long before mm-hmm. that 13 year mark, but that's where we were. Um, and then there were some things that, you know, he basically just would say, no, that's that's not going to happen. And it started to create that division of, okay, so if this is what I need, and he is clearly saying, no, that's not going to happen, how do you move forward from there? Right. Yeah. So you said that you felt that you needed to move to Flagstaff. So um, just for perspective, you know, Flagstaff is like an hour or is it two hours away? It's about two and a half hours. About two and a half hours away. So you said you felt that you needed to move to Flagstaff. What was that about? Explain that to me. Yeah, no. So I I think for me, um, it was not just a career thing. It was a family thing. Okay. Um, You know, it's, I think it's a blessing to be around a lot of family and have them involved and engaged. Mm -hmm. But sometimes that involvement and engaging can be a bit overwhelming. Okay. Uh, so there was that's a, real talk. That there was a bit of I I kind of needed to have some space and some distance and uh, focus. I think more than anything. Well, that's that's really brave, actually, when you think about it, because um, I know your family and your family is really close. So mm-hmm. if there was an overreach in family, because sometimes family is family, mm-hmm. we we don't get to choose our family, but we definitely can help reconstruct what is going to happen and draw some strong boundaries. So if there was some overreach in what was going on in your family, just dynamic wise, and you felt that you needed some time and space, was your husband not in agreement that needing that time and space with the overreach? Or was this a move to help him and you create time and space with you as a family? I, I think I saw it as that time and space for us as a family to really uh, establish us as a family versus us with all of these tentacles on uh, on both sides. I think, though, what I didn't take into consideration is um, change is hard for some people and harder for others. Mm -hmm. So what for me seemed like just a quick, you know, two and a half drive up the hill Mm -hmm. um, was was much more of a change um, and outside of my uh, ex-husband's comfort zone than I would have ever thought. Uh, and it didn't dawn on me until probably a year or so after being in in Flagstaff where I, I think we were coming back down the hill every two weeks. It was yeah. haircuts or, you know, church service or Got something it. where it was, you know, there was always something pulling us us back here. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. That's a lot. So in the 13th year, yeah. You're seeing things um, you needed to make this change. Didn't know if he was going to follow. Mm-hmm. He eventually did follow. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have this new life that you're building in Flagstaff. Children were thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a similar personality to you as far as the adventure of it all. Um, you know, my father was in the military and we moved a lot. Right. So I had to learn myself that moving is really hard for a lot of people that have been sedentary. They don't they don't know what that mm-hmm. difference looks like. But the challenge and the thrive of moving and the change, adapting to change, 
is everything. Mm -hmm. And it's a good, you know, learning behavior that we need to teach our kids. So I understand and I agree with all of that. But you're living in Flagstaff. How mm -hmm. was that experience overall for all of you? He came, you guys were together. Then what? You know, I, I think there were some highlights and there was definitely some lowlights. Okay. The, you know, the highlights were we were all together. I would never change the Flagstaff experience. It's a small town. Uh, we did stuff we probably would have never done in, in the Valley. We went to, you know, art festivals and walked mm -hmm. downtown, small area. You know, we we saw horses and, you know, hiked trails. So things that, again, not typical city people would do. We right. had that experience. Um, the kids really thrived, I think, in that smaller environment. It was actually really great for my youngest daughter. Um, the schools, the teachers, they adored them. It was just really, I think, overall a wholesome experience for the family. And it was actually nice because we we met people. Uh, we started to create our own community. So we, mm -hmm. there were other families like our, ours that were transplants from other areas in the Flagstaff. And, and we kind of had our own little group where we would hang out on the weekends and barbecue and, you know, awesome. just really a, a different level of community. I don't think I even knew my neighbors' names gotcha. here in Phoenix, but mm -hmm. to have, you know, neighbors that would shovel your driveway because they knew you were new mm -hmm. and didn't know how to shovel because- we right. were new. We'd never right. shoveled snow. And they would come over with their snowblowers and plow our, our driveway. So that sense of community was amazing. Yeah. Um, the distance, I think, was harder than any of us would have ever expected. Okay. So that was a, a low light. And what I didn't realize is when you are going through something, you do need your support. So here I'm like, got to get away, got to yeah. get. And it was like, no, you probably needed to get in a little bit gotcha. more, not get away. Oh, that's good. That's a very, very good point. So we have the Flagstaff experience. Yeah. yeah. And then you returned from Flagstaff. I did. Yeah. So okay. again, career, um, I I was feeling a bit stagnant more with my company. And I okay. I actually had gone through a pretty significant medical issue. Mm -hmm. So I, I had a heart attack at the age of 37, I think yeah. I was. So unprecedented. Uh, you know, it was, they called me a unicorn in the hospital because no one could figure out what was going on with me. Wow. Um, and they would have probably sent me home had not a visiting, uh, surgeon been there and said, no, this doesn't seem right. I want to, I want to do some more tests. Mm -hmm. And after that, you know, kind of getting back into the career, uh, it was, it was a struggle. I kind of felt like I was in a, a, a pigeonhole. Everyone was mm -hmm. treating me like I was fragile. And I got a call from a um, company down here in the Valley, Intel, mm -hmm. and I was really articulate about, you know, what it would take for me to make a transition. And it was it was actually really interesting because we had literally just remodeled a house that we bought from top to bottom. Okay. Uh, so like that was home for mm -hmm. us. And then here I'm like, guess what, everyone? <laughs> We're going back to Chandler. Right. And uh, there was some excitement because we were coming back to yeah. Chandler, but there was also a little bit of disappointment. Like, man, we really just started to kind of get our, our footing here. Right, and then here right. we go again. Wow. Uh, and we did actually, you know, I came down first and um, we let the kids finish school. I think it was like February or March timeframe. And then by June, you know, had the house situated, they joined middle of summer. Gotta love that in Phoenix. And we started <laughs> yet over again here in, in Phoenix. 
That's good. Yeah. So you guys are all reunited yep. back in the Valley. Your health was better. Health was better. You, yeah. And your family was now close. We're in proximity, all close. One big happy that. family again. And so we have all this newness starting. So tell me about your love story from there on. What yeah. happened then? I think at this point, it wasn't much of a love story. Uh, if I were to be honest, it was probably me just going and probably him feeling like he was just following wherever I said, okay. this is what we're going to do next. Gotcha. So we were, we were at a pretty, um, I think contentious point, even with the move back down, uh, to Flagstaff, you know, and again, this was, this was home for him. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like, no, I'm not going, sure. but what it looked like when we got here, we were, we weren't quite sure what that was going to look like. Got it. And so how long ago was that? I mean, was there, um, how long was ago since you returned yeah, so back? How long has that been since now we're in this new season? Yeah. So I was going to say that's probably 2016. So about six years ago, six years ago. Yeah. So in the six years until you got to the decision point that this marriage is no longer working for either one of us, what were those years like leading up to the decision? Yeah. And I, and I think that's an interesting one. If I were to think back, I don't know if there was ever like a, this is it. It almost was this gradual unraveling. Okay. Uh, so if I think about when this process started, mm-hmm. it didn't start with paperwork. Got it. You know, in 20, I think it was 2019 when we first filed. Okay. It didn't start there. It started much earlier, far before that. Um, and and it was just not being able to get on the same page on on some basic stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it was even more separation within the house. So externally, everything probably looked amazing to people. Okay. They came over. We had family dinners. We we seemed to work together as a team. I knew my space. He knew his, you know, kind of his area. Mm-hmm. They didn't realize we were living in separate bedrooms. Gotcha. They didn't realize, you know, I mean, there were some times we didn't talk until those events. Got of, it. Hey, guess what? These people are coming over. This is what we have to mm-hmm. get done. So it was pretty, I think, fragmented much sooner than that 20, 2019 filing. And so when the paperwork was filed, what was that like? Um, let's see here. It was a bit surreal. Mm-hmm. It was oh this is it like oh ooh this is this it's getting real now and I think when someone told me a long time ago hurting people hurt people mm-hmm. and it was a hurtful process and we just continued to hurt each other as wow. we were going through the process and then you try to stop you're mm-hmm. like this is not and then something would happen and you would react you would respond as you know a human. Um, so it was, it was definitely a eye opening experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my head, I had this picture of, okay, we're going to do this. We're divorcing, we're separating, you know, our relationship is gone as a couple, but we're going to have a friendship. We're going to, we're going to still have a relationship. Right. We're going to be buddies. Right. You know, we're going to still have barbecues and do that kind of stuff. And that was not his, his picture. That was not his vision. That was that was not, we weren't on the same page there at all. Gotcha. Um, so that was, I think, difficult to kind of come to grips of end is end. You don't get to keep the good parts and, right. you know, hold on to this stuff. It's it's a severing of the relationship. Yeah. yeah. It's unfortunate. It's it just, is, it's yeah. unfortunate. So with you 
going through this process, I mean, you're the one that's in the marriage. And so actually, let me just pause here for a second, because for all of those listening, thinking, I don't have his side of it. Um, I don't have his side of it. Mm -hmm. And no one has your side of it, it being in your relationship. And so there's a lot of people out there that would love to judge and talk about people when they mm -hmm. go through divorce to act as if, well, I've walked in those shoes or I know what went on and all that kind of stuff. And that's not what this is about. And there really is, should be no grounds for people walking out what your relationship looks like, mm -hmm. what they thought it was or anything because it's your relationship. So definitely not diminishing his side of it, but more importantly, because you're here and I'm talking to you about how you feel about it is what we're concentrating on. So I just want to make sure that disclaimer is heard mm -hmm. because um, in anybody going through any relationship, your relationship is your relationship and only you can own what that relationship is or isn't. Um, I do have a question for you though, saying that, because I'll, I know a lot of people and one of the first things that popped in my head when you were talking about um, we got to the end and knowing that this is what we're going to do. Was there an opportunity where you said, well, maybe we'll seek counsel because we are so far apart as far as what he thinks and what I think. Mm -hmm. Do we need to reach out to maybe a, a counselor, a therapist to talk about things? Was that something that oh, ran across yeah. your mind? Absolutely. I think that was probably the year before that. There was a couple of uh, attempts. There was a couple of you know, we're going to, we're going to talk to the pastor. Yeah. Uh, and there was actually one point where it gotten really tough and I was like, I, I love pastors. I mm -hmm. love church, but I want a therapist. Uh, uh, yeah. I want someone that has studied relationships yes. and, and we, you know, took a couple of sessions and went that route. And, and I think one of the things, you know, we think about the patterns and the cycles and mm -hmm. I would just see where we would get to some really hard stuff, yeah. you know, and unpacking some really difficult conversations. We'd be exhausted after those therapy sessions and it would just become too hard. So it'd be mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, no, can't make it this Saturday. No, push it off or no, something came up where it wasn't a priority. And for me, it was it was required. Like we had to unpack those things in order for us to have a healthy relationship. Wow. Yeah. That's important. It's yeah. important for people to hear that, that may be going through the situation of not knowing what to do. And it's also important for you saying that because you worked your way out of this relationship. Yeah. If I'm understanding you correctly. Yeah. Um, was it a process that you just started to fall out of love with your husband? You know, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, because if I were to ask myself, that question today, I still love him as a person. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think you fall out of love. You start to really think about what does love for myself look like? Mm -hmm. And it, I wasn't loving me by being mm -hmm. in the relationship. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Okay. Um, and, and that's where I was, to your point, kind of working myself out of the relationship uh, because it was taking... Um, a toll on me that as I look back, I wasn't me. That, mm -hmm. that wasn't the person I, I was and who I wanted to be. What does that look like? The person that you weren't wanting to be, who was she? Oh yeah, was that's it. Like? Not, not good. Um, you know, very, when you're in a tough situation, you go into kind of a bit of a survival mode. Mm -hmm. Um, you get numb to stuff. You have to put up walls everywhere. 
uh, you navigate things differently with uh, an eye of suspicion and, and not trust. And that's a, a lot of energy. That's a lot of um, not feeling bad stuff. Great. But you're also not feeling good stuff. Mm -hmm. But that was my way of just being tough and pushing through. Um, I actually kind of look back and think my career probably benefited from those walls because I was kind of my company's hitman. I got put on assignments that were that no one would touch because of the implications or how it could, you know, impact, you know, others. And I was like, just do it, just get it done. Just, you know, right. you know, so I was, I was all about execution and push and, and the target and the goal. And they loved that. But mm -hmm. the bad thing was it was terrible because that's not who we're designed. We're designed to feel and connect and love. But if you're in this space where you created all these boundaries and walls, um, you're not being who you're supposed to be. That's good. It's good. It's important for people to hear that. So you mentioned before that the conversation you never had, um, what would you have in that conversation if you were to go back and look at over the 20 years of marriage and just talking about the details when you guys were first starting out, um, even maybe before the children arrived or right after Soraya got here, um, what would that conversation sounded like? Uh, yeah, that, that, if you could go back, if you could go back, <laughs> if you could go back, you know, um, I think one of the biggest mistakes I made is I was so super excited to have a wedding mm -hmm. that I forgot that it should have been about being married and becoming a wife, not throwing a wedding. So all of our energy, well, I won't say all, I'd say a lot of our energy was in the details of this event, but we didn't plan. We didn't talk about what's, what's it look like afterwards. And I even gave an example. I went back to Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Like that, that should have been a conversation we had long before right. we walked down the aisle. Like, where are we going to live? What is going to be our strategy? How are we going to navigate who's going to do this i mean we we had no conversation of of strategy it was it was an event mm -hmm. and i went my way and he went his way and we continued to live life until my daughter came pretty separately um and if he had not said um your daughter and i are going to be here in arizona i'd probably still be somewhere in vegas thinking mm -hmm. that this is how it's supposed to be that's a great that's a great point um, what I hear from you and everything that you talk to and me knowing your personality is you've always been extremely driven. Um, if there's a goal in front of you, you just, you smash the goal. Yeah. And when you talked about having unmet needs, um, it sounds like, you know, a lot of times we'll put all of our energy into our career, mm -hmm. um, into our education, even into our children, but yet we'll go without those unmet needs mm -hmm. being done. When did you decide that you needed to take care of your unmet needs? Because you were suppressing that for years as far yeah. as what you wanted. Um, well, I'll just worry about this. I'll do this later. Um, you know, I've seen the celebrations that you had and the energy that you put towards others, yeah. helping others, doing for others and all of that. When did you decide that you needed to get your unmet needs met? And I probably would maybe even preface it slightly different. Um there were unmet needs in the marriage, but I think what I was doing is mm -hmm. getting them fulfilled in work. Mm -hmm. 
and through children and through celebration and through coordinating. And then I realized that's not healthy either. That's, that's me not going to, at the time, my spouse to have the relationship that we were supposed to have. Mm -hmm. I was having that relationship everywhere else. Um, so I was extremely dependable, um, for my company. I was, like I said, I was a go-to children. All of those things became that connection, that relationship, those, those aspects of what I wanted in my marriage, Mm -hmm. I was getting them in other places and that wasn't okay. Got it. That's good. That's a very good takeaway. Um, so you now this new season, a divorcee. Yes. What's next for you? That's, that's an interesting one. Um, I am really learning to be very patient with myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, this process has not been like anything else I've, I've ever dealt with. And I think I knew that kind of at the beginning, which is probably why I was like, oh, you know, here we go. This is, you know, I was probably less worried about paperwork and attorneys and all that stuff. I, this was going to be transformational for me because, yeah. you know, you've, you've become one with a person for so long. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know who I was outside of that oneness. Mm. So it was a little scary, I think, um, beginning the process and thinking about the next chapter. But I I look at it as um, an opportunity for God just to continue to do what he's always done. Mm. Um, he's He's always been with me through whatever I've dealt with. Um, in tough situations, I feel he goes before me and and he he clears ways for me. So although I don't have it all laid out, um, it, I just know who does. That's right. And I and I trust that. And and every day is different. I think I try to be super honest with myself, um, which I wasn't before. You know, I would I'd wake up and tell myself I felt one way, even though I felt another way, because I thought that's what we were supposed to do. And now I wake up and I say, you know, today I don't I don't I'm not feeling it or I'm sad or this is hard today. And I have much more authentic conversations with myself. Um, And that helps. And then there's some days that I get up and I'm like, this is this is good. Today's going to be awesome. You know, and and I kind of move that way versus. um scripting it out like I would normally do. Right. I think there's so many things just listening to you talk that I think that um, you've learned probably so many things you can't really articulate and say that you're doing, but the phrase that you've used a lot of times as you've been talking right now, what we were supposed to do, Mm -hmm. what we think we're supposed to do. Have you gotten the think I'm supposed to do out of your thinking? Oh yeah. Uh, You know, I think when I think about even the beginning of the process, the amount of like shame and guilt that mm-hmm. comes on you when you think about divorce and, oh my gosh, I'm going to upset so many people. And you, it just, it's almost paralyzing. Mm-hmm. And then I, I realized, you know what, you know, those are, are labels that others are putting on me or I'm putting on myself that don't align with who I really am. So why am I latching on to that versus really trying to focus on who I am supposed to be right now? And it, it's not those labels. It's not the shame. It's not the guilt. It's um, I think the hardest thing was, you know, divorce is, is seen as, you know, God hates it. Mm-hmm. So to, to disappoint my daddy was probably right. the biggest like, oh, but then he's also forgiving. 
and much more forgiving than we are as people, right. even myself to myself. That's beautiful. That's yeah. absolutely true. I want you to say it again for the people in the back. <laughs> All right. That's good. Um, so what I really, uh, how are the kids though with all with this change that's coming on? I mean, they know they love mom, they love dad. Yeah. Where are they in all of this? How, how are they doing there? You know what? It's, it was really funny because we, I had mentioned that this was not the first conversation we had had. We, you kind of get to the point and it unravels. And we had ha- had a few conversations with the kids in the past few years where we were like, Hey guys, you know, mom and dad are deciding to, to divorce. And then, you know, we go to counseling. Or, okay. Mom and dad are going to work on this. Oh, okay. And then we'd come back to them and say, okay, it didn't work. Mom and dad are going to separate. Um, and then we'd be like, okay, this isn't good. You know, mom and dad are going to divorce again. So this was probably about the third round that they had had with this. Okay. And honestly, they were like, just do it, guys. Like, <laughs> th- this isn't good. Like, <laughs> you guys aren't happy. We're not happy watching you guys not be happy. Right. So they were probably much more fed up than I had would have I would have ever anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was in the beginning, when it got real, like Mm -hmm. when I moved out and, you know, we're finding separate houses and we're transitioning. It was tough. It was, um, and I think that was really hard for me, but again, I'm a, I'm a huge believer in therapy. I'm a huge believer in getting support. So am I. And so I just started pulling on support and, and I look at them today and I think they're, they're so much better off. Um, because they were seeing a really unhealthy example of a relationship. And I didn't want that to be what my son kind of carried into his relationships or what my daughters felt was okay. So, so they have that perspective. I think the other thing is they, um, they realized they didn't have to choose sides. Like we're not pitting each other like against each other. Right. It's difficult because they knew us as a family unit and now they know us differently or separately and they're adjusting to that. But it's not a, you know, we, we really try to make sure we protect them from, you know, any negativity um, or, you know, anything of that nature. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Everybody doesn't have that story. So that's good. And I actually like that they were a part of the process when you guys were talking to them about what was going on. Um, I would recommend that not because everyone needs to know all of the details, but as a family unit, it's good to talk through it Mm -hmm. so that they understand what's going on and that they're not the cause of what's going on. Yeah, that was a big one that, you know, not the cause. And I think also really giving them some space to express how they felt. And they did, you know, they were, they were angry. They were mad. And we let them say this, you know, this isn't fair. And, you know, this is not good. And we don't like this. And, you know, I mean, they've, they've had a voice and I think that's helped and they still have a voice. Absolutely. I think that's wonderful. So if you were talking to someone right now, that's having a hard time that can relate to where you are, um, or really relate to what you were saying about the hard, difficult times when their husband doesn't agree with them or their wife doesn't agree with them. Mm-hmm. What could you give them or offer to them from the point of where you're standing right now, your vantage point? What could you tell them to help them? Yeah, I, I think my biggest aha, um, 
And and it goes back to the scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think so often we focus on that concept of loving the neighbor Mm -hmm. and what that looks like. And, you know, love patient, you know, long suffering. We know the scripture and we extend that or we try to extend it, but you really can't unless you love yourself. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, you know, sometimes people say, oh, loving yourself or self-love is, it's selfish or it's, no, it's, it's biblical. And I would say, start there and start with that relationship with God. Um, I tried to do everything, change. um, I, you know, I bought tapes that I thought (laughs) I I bought books. I did all of that for the other person. Mm-hmm. And didn't realize it was it was me that was broken. It was me wow. that didn't didn't uh, really understand and have that love for myself or patience for myself. I wasn't forgiving of myself, and it's it's difficult to be in a relationship if you don't have that, and if you don't have you know God right smack dab in the middle of it. It's not something you pull in when there's problems. Right. It's not something that you seek out when you know you guys disagree. It has to be the absolute center. Um, and, and he, you know, he said, we, you know, love is just so, so important. And we don't, I don't think, um, think about it in the context of ourselves. Well, you're right. I, that's, I love it. I second it. Amen, (laughs) sister. Um, I think that I really just want you to hear and know that, you know, when I talk about resilience and everything that people go through, you don't always have to have this happen to me and I learned this from it. It can be an active resilience that you continue to develop. Mm-hmm. And throughout all of these years and the different things that you learned about yourself and about the dynamics in your family um, is active. It's an active resilience that I know what works. I know what doesn't work. And in that searching for what works best, you're able to find yourself. Yeah, absolutely. You're able to find yourself. And that's one of the bravest things I think that we can actually do because we take a time out. We give ourselves the time and space to really see what's working and what's not working. And um, we go to God in order for him to help direct our path. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's always going to be my go to. And what it sounds like just based on our conversation was that you were two people that continued to grow. But in your growing as individuals, you grew apart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so now we're at the place where, you know, divorce isn't easy. We're not happy that you get a divorce. But sometimes divorce becomes necessary. And it becomes necessary because you have two people that are growing apart, but they can grow well on their own, then that may be the decision that becomes for that family. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just excited. I'm excited about what's for you. I'm excited about you tapping into what God would have for you. And I'm excited about your children being whole and ready to take that journey with both of you. Mm -hmm. Um, I know your family very well. I know you guys love your children, and I, I believe that you worked your way to be in the season that you're in now. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just really proud of you. Oh, thank you. I'm really thank proud you. of you. You know, it's not easy, but it's um, it's worth it when you start loving yourself the way that you need to. Yeah. Do you think that you'll get married again? You know, I've been asked that question a few times, and I think... In the beginning, it was just a visceral, strong, absolutely not. Why? Are you kidding me? Why? <laughs> um, and again, I think that's, that's you know, um, me bringing 
residue or, you know, kind of that residual overflow of what I experienced or went through um, from back in that relationship right. into a relationship that isn't even there. It hasn't mm -hmm. even started. And so uh, I really can't answer that question. But what I can say is I, I'm open to love. I'm open to what God has for me. And, and I believe, um, what he has for me is for me in the right time, in the, in the right season, season in the right space. But in the meantime, I'm really in a good space now. So it's not something that I'm actively seeking. In right. the beginning you do, you're like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> what does this mean? I'm all by myself. And, um, and there's a little bit of a panic, but I think that's just a part of the process. And then you realize, okay, there's no need to panic. And also being with you, it's it's not terrible. Being by yourself um, right. in single, it's it's not, you know, um, a tragic end to your story. That's right. That's right. And you're pretty amazing. So it's going to be a uh, time well spent to be able to discover all the things that you want to do, what you really like, what you don't like. Yeah. And really just depending on yourself as God continues to mold and shape what he wants to do with you now. Exactly. Um, it's a story right now that you're telling to be able to help some people that are trying to think about where they fit in their situation. I mean, we're definitely not advocating, please have a divorce, but we definitely are advocating, do the work on yourself so that you know what you bring to the table mm -hmm. and seek a therapist, seek a pastor. If that's what you choose to do, seek somebody to help reconcile the growth inside of you to where you can continue to grow together because mm -hmm. that's where you're going to have good stuff and good success. Right. 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 Absolutely. So it's your opportunity um, doing these little chats. I always give my guests an opportunity to ask a question. It could be any question that you want to ask of me. So we're having a conversation. So what is your question for me? Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. And I thought about a, a few, but one of the ones that um, I'd love to hear from you on is when you think about the topic of divorce, uh, you don't typically hear it from a positive or resilience standpoint. Mm -hmm. It usually has a super negative connotation. Mm -hmm. But even just, you know, in our, our early conversation, that wasn't the position that you took. Mm -hmm. um, and if you could just share how sure. you came up with the approach to to this topic in a very different way than I think we talk about it. Um, on a normal basis. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So my approach and my feeling is, is that divorce is an end. It's an end. And whenever you have an end, you also have a beginning. Hmm. So I think that it would be remiss of me to try to judge and put myself in that position based on what I think I would do. Mm -hmm. I would never do that. And I always aim not to have that type of heart where I'm trying to judge or, you know, determine somebody else's future. Mm -hmm. um, it's an end. But I think that it's so important that we work through to get to the end so we can have it a beginning. Mm, I don't think that we are, um, you know, damaged goods. I don't think that we are, um, you know, that, you know, we're going to go to hell. I don't think any of those things that happen. But when I can talk to someone and that they've done everything they know to do and they believe that this is what's necessary for them, then it's time for me to link up with them to have a new beginning. Mm. So mm. that's my thought on it. I, I you know, my, my biggest thing is I don't want you to have to hurt. I don't want anybody to have to hurt. Mm. 
But if that hurt gets you to a place of joy and peace and restoration, then I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm all for it. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people, you know, I was looking at statistics talking about how many people got divorced during the pandemic and all of those Mm -hmm. things. And we can weigh on all of that. But a lot of times, just like you mentioned, there were things that happened in the relationship before Mm -hmm. that either weren't established or things over time that allowed the couple to grow apart. And so I just think it's real important that we start understanding that that end can create a new beginning. Oh, I love that. So that's good. I love that. That's good. Well, Sissy, I thank you for being here with me, for sharing your story. I mean, I think it will help some people be able to take a listen. And not only if they're not in that situation, but even those that are not in a situation to be able to not judge couples, to not put what they think on it and all of that stuff, but to really come together with you and for you and support you Mm -hmm. for your new beginning. And all of that. And I mean, again, not to take anything away from your ex-husband who has his own opinion and own thing. Mm-hmm. We'll support him, too, in his Absolutely. new beginning. Absolutely. Um, but more importantly, we're going to dance with the kids. Yeah. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Love it. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for being here. Well, hopefully this was a conversation that you got to hear something that meant something to you. Um, That's what we're doing here at Resilience Living. We are all about the details that make a difference. So we're so grateful that you joined us today. Look forward to talking to you another time. Until then. 